Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is your child asking questions on their homework that you don't feel equipped to answer? Is your child just struggling with a specific subject or need help with their homework? If you're dealing with any of these issues, you could maybe benefit from IXL. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. And it's so cost effective. A single hour of tutoring costs more than a month of IXL. I could have totally used IXL when I was in grade school. I was always having trouble with my homework. Ugh, I wish I had this when I was a kid. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And How To Be Fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com fine. Visit IXL.com fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. IXL.com fine. Hey, by the book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly by the book affirmation mini-sode plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book, or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. What is something we both love? I mean, we both love exploring the world of (laughs) self-help. Yes, we do both love self-help exploration. We've been doing it for 10 seasons here. (laughs) But what's the other thing we both love with a fiery passion? Oh, I know. We both love TV. Bing, bing, bing. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Other than self-help, TV is probably the number one thing we talk about with each other. Yes. And we love it when TV and self-help come together. Oh, we totally love that. And lucky for us, today's very special guest feels the same way. Well, I can hardly wait to talk to her. Well, we're about to, because I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolanta Greenberg. And this is By the Book. That's right. It's time for another Buy the Book bonus episode, our between-seasons treat for your ears. And today, we're talking with comedian, 
writer, actor, pop culture critic, and host of the podcast TV I Say with Ashley Ray. You guessed it. We're talking with Ashley Ray. And our topic of the day is TV and self-help. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. We are so, so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to talk to you. When they told me the topic, I was like, yes, please. (laughs) Now, Ashley, self-help and TV. That's what we're here to talk about today. In the past decade, this relationship between what's on the screen, between what's in our hearts, us trying to better ourselves – this has exploded. You know, there's tidying up with Marie Kondo, there's Queer Eye, there's the Goop Lab, Brene Brown special. What do you think is behind the popularity of these shows at this moment in history? I mean, I do think we are in this confusing time, right? You know, with with COVID and the pandemic we all experienced and lock-ins, it was just this intense time of self-reflection. We couldn't go anywhere. We, we just had to stay at home and think about ourselves and everything we ever did in our lives and our relationships. And now as the world's opening back up, it's sort of who's still around, who's in my life, like what has happened to the communities I've known. And I think part of that is, you know, understanding yourself, understanding maybe different ways you want to approach relationships now that, to me, it's like the whole world changed. None of us is the same person that we were like three years ago. So I think that's why we see so many people seeking media that is, you know, how do I look inside? How do I get to know myself? How do I let my defenses down? How do I learn to connect with people again? And I think at the heart, that's what a lot of these shows want to do. And then there, it, it does turn into the dark side where it becomes so consumeristic and driven by well, you're going to need to self-help because actually you can never be helped. So it's kind of a perpetual thing where you're going to have to pay me $5.99 every month for the rest of your life to get this advice until, you know, but, you know, that's kind of the darker end that we have to live with in this society, you know, where everything is monetized. Uh, But I think on the other side, there is this good sort of societal force where we all want to improve and we want to have maybe faith in humanity again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'd like to say the the like plus side of these shows that like resonate with me is about finding humanity sort of like regardless of what's on the outside or finding those nuggets of human commonality. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Queer Eye because that's one of the ones that got me during COVID. Like I would just watch that show and sob and you watch it and of course most of it is you know, the the twist now is they help, like, these conservative white guys who live in mm-hmm. these, you know, towns and stuff. And then afterwards, people online would be like, oh, they're all Trump supporters. They're horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> but for the 30 minutes of the episode, you get to be like, oh, look at how they're coming together and they're seeing the other side. And then, of course, mere hours later, the Internet is like, here's every bad thing that this person has ever done. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but it's also yeah. reassuring that in just tiny ways, even if it's just our personal grooming Mm. and the way we talk to our neighbors in these tiny ways, we can all be a little bit better if we want to and if we let ourselves be helped. Because there's nothing wrong with getting help from other people, right? And how great is that to accept that help, to seek it out and so on? I'm curious, watching these shows, have you learned anything that you've applied to your own life? Yeah, I definitely queer eye. Um, mm. I learned to simplify my skincare routine and to to work with a wardrobe that works for me. Um, <laughs> I yes. take all of those tips from the show because I'm always just like, oh my gosh, that's what I could do with my hair. Um, that that <laughs> part is helpful. But I think for me, I actually have taken a lot from 
a lot of the fictional TV shows that have come out recently that really focus on self-help and make that sort of a major part of the story. I think we're seeing a lot of shows come out that are about therapy and looking inward and have people who seek therapy, whether it's funny like Shrinking that just came out on mm. Apple TV today, uh, or if you're listening to this in the future, that came out on January 27th on Apple TV. <laughs> uh, but that one, you know, is a funny look at a shrink and people who go to him. Um, and then there's also, you know, darker sort of takes. And for me, there's shows like Enlightened that came out forever ago. Oh, I love it so much. It's so good. And that, I, I think, is the show that I apply kind of to my life. Like, Amy Jellicoe's Journey, where it's she's Laura the, Dern. It's a Laura Mike White Dern. show for HBO. Yes. Mike if White, you liked White Lotus, check it out. If you loved White Lotus, you've got to go watch Enlightened. But it's this woman who is at the low of her career. She basically gets fired, has a mental breakdown, and tries to bring herself back while navigating the world that we kind of are dealing with now. It came out a while ago, but it's these fake promises of self-help and trying to differentiate between what is actually good and what is just something that wants you to spend your money and make you feel good, but is an actual change. I will try to really live. I will change. And I will be an agent of change. And so I find myself always kind of questioning that now. Like, you know, is this something I just enjoy doing or is this really making me understand myself and feel better? Or is it just making me feel like I get to be a special person on a pedestal because, oh, I'm so special and I get it, you know, because that's it's a big part of Amy Jellico's journey is her yes. realizing, like, <laughs> you're not the best person in the world just because, like, you know what a boundary is. <laughs> oh, no, she's the worst person in the world. Yes, I she, know. Yeah. Uh, and, I'm just, and, and so as I relate so to good. Amy Jellico. <laughs> Oh, I, I but, do too. Yeah, I, I love this this sort of thing we're seeing where it's more common to just look at therapy as a practice in a way that isn't always, um, I don't know, I think in a lot of TV shows they use it as a cure-all and now right. we're sort of saying it doesn't work that way. Uh, the yeah. Patient on Hulu, that's another one uh, with Steve Carell where he's kidnapped by one of his patients and it's such... It's, it's terrifying. It is a scary show, but it also is a wonderful parody of the desperate belief some people have in therapy mm -hmm. as this cure-all when it's just not. Uh, so I love what TV is doing with self-help right now. There's just, it's just a wonderfully interesting genre. I just, across the board, anytime I'm like, oh, a show where somebody's going to be seeing, getting therapy or they're really into a self-help book and they're trying to change, I'm in. <laughs> You mentioned the dark side of self-help, and uh, we love watching a good documentary about a self-help guru or a cult leader, perhaps an expose, a fall from grace. What yeah. have been some of the wildest docs that you've seen in the past few years that our listeners might have missed or that you think we need, we just need to check out? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is, I think... The darkest side of self-help is people who who get so lost in that. And uh, I, I think on the lighter end of the spectrum, there's something like the uh, LuLaRoe documentary on Prime mm. Video, uh, which I think is called Lula Rich. And yes, it is about this corporation and a pyramid scheme. But at its heart, it's these women 
who a lot of them were coming out of uh, the 2008 financial downfall and they didn't know what to do with themselves and they were looking for purpose and community and something to uplift themselves. And they found this community that was like, you're a rock star, you're a goddess, you can do this. And that messaging fed them. And it it wasn't just like a, you know, eventually it did become a whole self-help thing for the people who worked there. It was like, you didn't just sell LuLaRoe, you had to like live the LuLaRoe life. (laughs) Uh, So that, you know, that one is a great one that I love. Um, I just watched uh, One Touch, which is on Netflix, and just came out in December. It is about the One Touch orgasmic meditation cult. We have a pleasure deficit disorder in this country. I think that there is a cure, and that cure is female orgasm. Uh, it's it's oh. a really, really good one. It's very short. Um, I, I think it's like an hour and a half, but this was a cult that started in San Francisco, Started by a woman. It's the rare cult that was Mm. started by a woman. uh, And it basically, the premise was that you could reach enlightenment and full self if you did orgasmic meditation, which was allowing a man who, in a non-sexual way, would basically just finger you for, like, hours. And they said it wasn't sexual. They called it just, like, they had, like, specific names for things. And the guy would, like, wear a glove. And they would do this in giant rooms together. So it was supposed to be very, like, sterile. But, of course, this was basically, like, a startup. The woman who ran it started running it like a tech company. And she would, like, older older men would join just for the purpose of being, like, I want to touch these young girls. And they would try to, like, encourage, you know, girls in their 20-somethings to join. And they would tell them, you know, this is self-help and self-love and, you know, being able to let someone you're not attracted to and who you don't like do this to you is actually empowering. And it is just such a twisted way of getting someone to misunderstand boundaries and to let their guard down uh, in a way where they're tricking them into thinking, no, this is sex positive and this is good. Um, And these are people who are so intelligent and smart. You know, these are women who went to college and are brilliant and are like, I thought this was great. I thought, oh, this is a woman and it's sort of taking back my sexuality and, you know, discovering myself again. And at the end of the day, it was like, oh, this was a thing where they wanted to get thousands of dollars from me and they wanted to do horrible things for profit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's another great one that's very, very dark. (laughs) Wow. I hadn't heard of that one. Yeah, that one, I, I guess I was very interested in that one because I dated someone who, after we broke up, joined the cult and tried to get me to go. And I was no. just, as soon as wow. he told me about it, I was like, that's a cult. <laughs> like, he, he was like, so I can bring you. The first one is free. And like, you come and you'll, I promise you, like, this will be like, unlike any experience you've ever had. And it's not even like sexual. And I, he's like, you'll lay down and the person does. And I was just like, this is a cult. Like, what you're describing is a cult. And he was like, no, it's not. It's it's more just like a yoga practice. And four years later, he hit me up like, you were right. It was a cult. <laughs> so oh, my gosh. Wow. He was like, wow. yeah, yeah. Like, once I spent, like, $8,000 and they started threatening oh. me when I wanted to stop going, I realized. <laughs> okay. I need to check that one out. Yeah. And, and also, this was the doc that resonated most with me last year. Um, Actually, for TV, I say I did a list of my favorite documentaries. This one was number one. Uh, It's The Deep End. It's on Hulu and Freeform. It's about Teal Swan, who, if you are a YouTube self-help person, you probably know that name already. What we're going to be doing is what I call channeling. It's an incredibly dangerous process. It's also one of the most powerful tools that has ever existed. 
Uh, I had never heard of her. I don't really do, you know, YouTube self-help videos, but obviously it makes sense that that's a place people go for, you know, advice and resources. And you see the way this woman has just found a way to monetize this platform, to target a vulnerable population, and to basically say, like, if you don't listen to me, your depression is going to take over your life and you'll never be normal and you'll, you know, you'll harm yourself, you'll die, bad things will happen to you unless you listen to me. And the deepen is interesting because most cult documentaries happen after the cult has disbanded or been arrested or things go bad. Uh, this cult documentary started because people accused Teal Swan of running a cult. So she hired her own documentary team Ooh. and she hired her own external therapist yes. to watch the footage and to review what they were doing. And she was like, I'm going to have them all tell you this is not a cult. Within, like, four weeks of filming, everyone's like, this is a cult. <laughs> the documentary team is like, hey, we're very uncomfortable. This is a cult. Like, bad things, the way you're treating people, we don't, we, like, legally we have questions. Like, you're asking people to commit certain crimes and fraud. The therapist who they brought in, like, she goes in and sits with Teal, and Teal is just like, so tell them, I'm not running a cult. And the lady's like... Well, actually, she has a she has like a checklist, and she's like, you yeah, do. she's like, and you do do that, and you do do that, and Teal's want you just see her getting more defensive, and finally she's like, someone brainwashed you and corrupted you against me, get out of here, and she shuts down everything, and the documentary ends. So it's this inside look like you've never seen because they give so much, they let them into their intimacies because they truly, truly didn't believe they were doing cult stuff. And then you watch the footage and it's like them all yelling at a girl, like, if you don't break up with the boy that Teal Swan likes, you know, we're all going to call you uh, an enemy. And just, yeah, that one is the one that I, because you see in real time people fall into it. You see this girl like move from Germany all the way to the to the cult, like get with a guy and then leave when she kind of realizes, thanks to this documentary team, like, oh, yeah, I'm in a cult. <laughs> And their insistence that they were on the right side of history, and that's why they need to document themselves. Look at how great we are. Yeah, we're so good at this. Like, we're going to videotape and we're going to show you. <laughs> and every piece of footage is just like, and that is cult 101. And that is what a cult leader would do. It's it's just from the cult book. And right. <laughs> yeah, so that one, uh, and again, I think is is a great one because... She's still so popular in the mainstream. And I think in this day and age, it's so easy to find your lane and to be protected from being held accountable or from, you know, the harm you cause. Because you can just be on TikTok and have your right. TikTok audience or you can just be on YouTube and have your YouTube audience that isn't going to go watch some documentary on Hulu. And she also made like real time responses to each episode that are yes. still, I'm sure, up on YouTube. Oh, absolutely. So you can go watch her side and see like... Hear all her like inside yeah. scoop takes yeah, on like why she, each episode is a lie, and it's she can totally just like keep her platform going. Yeah, like she's just like moment by moment. She's like, when I told this woman it was her fault that she was harmed as a child, what I meant was that in a nice way. <laughs> and you're just like, no, you're you're not a great person. So I I really like recommending that one to people because again, I think we're all on this journey of wanting to know ourselves better and. Social media, YouTube is such a, just an alluring, easy way to feel like you're doing that, you know, like per, I've been mm. there where I've just like swiped through a few TikToks on like, you know, uh, tw like tarot cards. And I'm like, there we go. I did it. I've reached a higher <laughs> self. Like, <Yep. laughs> like, wow, I've really learned about me. <laughs> 
Well, when it comes to popular media and that feeling you're talking about, a lot of us really first got it from Oprah. You know, a lot of us think of her as the queen of TV uh. betterment, of media betterment, <laughs> uh, especially after she yes. did her big best self rebrand. We are curious what your thoughts are on Oprah, what she was, what she became, what has happened since her show went off the air with the people that she ushered into the spotlight. Absolutely. What what are your thoughts on her? And that that's a good one because I am right of that generation where like it wasn't just that I saw like Oprah on TV and saw like, oh, Oprah said this. It was also like my mom being an older black woman. Oprah could do no, like anything Oprah said, that is what we did. (laughs) Like, you know, that is what you need to know. Uh, I remember actually the first self-help book I ever got was because Oprah recommended it and my mom bought it for me for like my 16th birthday. And it was uh, uh, Don't Give It Away by Ayanla Van Zant and got her start on Oprah. And she went on and she started, she wrote this book that was basically for teenage girls about knowing when to have sex and your self-worth. And so my mom, of course, saw it, bought me the book. It's a whole, like, workbook. You answer questions. Uh, I actually still have it. But, oh. <laughs> but you know, that was – that. And my, I remember my mom sitting me down and being like, I'm giving you this book. And I do think that was very good for me in a lot of ways because a lot of what that sort of brand of empowerment is about is, like, loving yourself as a woman no matter what. And – reading that I think phenomenal woman by Maya Angelou is like in the beginning of the book and just feeling that encouragement and feeling strong. And I think as a black girl, that is so important because you don't see that and you really don't see that Mm -hmm. from people who look like Oprah. So as a child, I loved it. You know, as a kid, I was like, yeah, this is good advice. Uh, I remember because of Oprah, I read um, Women Who Dance with Wolves. (laughs) Ooh. I was like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And I read it, I think I was like 13 or 14. And wow, I was like, yeah. Oprah says, I need to know about this. And it's just, it's one of those ways at that time, I think I also want, it made me feel older. And of course, now I can look back at it and see, yes, there was that good, but there was also like the bad sides where Oprah was convincing people that like trans fats were bad for you and, you know, encouraging eating disorders. And who can forget that wagon of fat, man. Yeah, I'll never forget that fact. Yeah, exactly. I never forget it. And introducing people like Dr. Oz to the world, which is not even just fake self-help, it's just fake medical help. Like, you know, now I can see sort of the downside of that. But when I look at shows like that run on her network now, you know, she left Oprah, her, her daytime show, uh, which I think just left a void that we then saw, mm-hmm. like, everyone try to fill <laughs> And I, but I also don't think anyone else tried to do self help. I also feel like after that, it was very like, let's just have Ellen let little people, like little kids dance. Like, let's just have little kids and, (laughs) and like kids who play the drums, just a lot of children who do things on Ellen. Yeah. Or if they did try to do betterment, it was always like contradictory to what their other public image was. Like Tyra Banks trying to get you to talk about your feelings. And then after this, watch me on America's Next Top Model where I yell at you and call you fat. Yeah, or like, like, oh, love yourself. And now watch me wear a fat suit for the worst day of my life. Oh my gosh. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was clearly just, you know, and at that point we all were like, oh, ratings. This is clearly for ratings. You know, we were kind of past the era of, oh, trashy TV is new. And so I think Own, when Oprah started her channel, that was smart. She was able to dominate the self-help TV market in a way that wasn't, I don't know, like, you know, I think tr- there have been traditional, like, religious shows and channels that d- did stuff like that. Te- Lifetime had some stuff that was, 
television for empowering women. But Owen was the first where it was like, oh, yeah, here's Ayanna Van Zandt fixing people's lives. And here's how you can fix your Mm -hmm. life, too. And it just just truly shows that felt like, why am I sitting in on this person's therapy session? (laughs) You know, and I think that's that's why we have shows now like Couples Therapy, which is another, I think, really good in between. Like, it's, I mean, that's just a reality show. It is real. But the way they make it, it feels almost like, when my friends and I talk about it, it feels like a drama. Like, we're like, I can't believe Mao did that to his wife. And then you remember, like, these are real people. This is a real therapist. This is, (laughs) yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask Ashley some of our listener questions that have come in all about TV and self-help. So stick around. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, we are back with our special guest, Ashley Ray, host of the podcast TV I Say with Ashley Ray, and we're talking all about TV and self-help. Ashley, when we told our listeners we were chatting with you, the questions started pouring in. So so we've got some for you. To keep on the topic of Oprah, Petey Poppy from Instagram says... Which is your favorite Oprah bit on 30 Rock? Tracy Jordan channeling Oprah or Liz Lemon, quote unquote, meeting Oprah on an airplane? Was her cameo utilized effectively? This is a good question, uh, Poppy. I I gotta go with Liz thinking she sees Oprah on the plane. That is just yeah. an iconic episode. Oprah, and yes, that is one of my favorite celebrity cameos in a show. Oh, like I don't always like celebrity cameos. I often think they're cheap and they don't age well because most of the time in the future you watch something and you're like, who is this person? <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> like I love when I watch some old show on Netflix and someone walks in and everybody's clapping and I'm like, should I know who this yeah, person I can, is? No, I yeah, <laughs> it's like 1997's most famous teen boy or something. Uh, <laughs> so I thought they did a great job choosing someone like Oprah, who has such longevity. 
And then just also playing it completely off. Like, of course, Liz, Lim- Liz Lemon is not actually meeting Oprah. And this is actually just another one of Liz Lemon's problematic kind of racist things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Oprah, listener Audra has another question related to Oprah. Audra says, are you weirded out by Prince Harry's many chats with Oprah and him spilling all the white jealousy slash racist inside the castle British tea? Or is it as funny and odd to you as it is to a lot of us who have to see the memes coming from it all? <laughs> How do you feel about all the mess with them? Have you seen Megan and Harry's Netflix TV series as well? I have to go with the it's funny. I, I, I like... I loved the Oprah interviews they did. I thought Mm. they were so, so funny. I mean, every time people act so shocked about what we're learning, and I'm like, none of this is shocking. Like, of course, the royal family is racist. And they said racist things to this girl, and she had a horrible experience. So it's just really funny. I love finding out things like, oh, they lived with Tyler Perry. It's just every time they, yeah, yeah, Uh. every time they do these interviews, just more ridiculous little tiny details come out and it makes me laugh. So I love that part. But I also didn't watch the Netflix documentary because I kind of just was like, what else is there for me to know about this? Like, so much more. (laughs) Is there more? I also haven't watched it. it, To me, it was kind of like, like, what do you want me to do, Megan and Harry? You already got out. Like, what what else is there for (laughs) us to do here? You know, I don't like the British monarchy. I would love for it to end. And I think every single thing they do at this point is just another, like, chip in the armor of the of the British monarchy, and it will bring its downfall. So keep doing it. Keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in England, they take it more seriously because I did see on Twitter someone, like, one of the things from his book was people were talking about something that happened between him and his father that he talks about in his book. And, like, one person from England was like, I never imagined my King Charles would do that. I can never trust the monarchy again. And it was, like, something so minor, like, about maybe even just, like, the drinking the wrong tea. And I was like, that was the line for you, not, like, the colonization in India and Africa. But it was, like... He told us his father was mean over tea. I, I'll never see the king the same. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so if, if it's getting them to open their eyes, I'm thankful. <laughs> yeah. And and just full disclosure, listeners, I did not plant that question. Audra actually no, wrote that question. That real question. Kristen did not have anything to do with it. Kristen is a huge royals. Yeah. I host a Harry and Meghan podcast, but I did not plant that question. Just to yeah, be clear. <laughs> yeah. And... I think I love those. I talked about the Oprah interviews for weeks. I should watch Mm. the doc. I really should. I probably will love it. I would say you might actually get more out of hearing his book. His book, he is like um, essentially saying, I am going to tell everything that is possibly embarrassing about me now so that Mm. no tabloid can ever scoop the story again. And I am telling you literally everything I have ever done that could possibly be construed as bad. Oh, yeah. I did see a lot of excerpts. I saw the, like, doing coke with Courtney Cox and something about oh, a yeah. frostbitten penis. And I yes, heard about yep. the frostbitten penis. Yeah, and I was hear just... about the Courtney Cox stuff. Fine. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 There's a lot of stuff in there. Does he read his, his book for the audiobook? Yes. Oh, oh, he does. Oh, that would be a delight. Yeah, and that he's got I a beautiful voice, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I think I'd like. Okay. All right. Our next question is 
weirdly not about Oprah, Katie would like to know, who is your favorite TV therapist? Are there any good real therapists on TV? Or is the best therapist we've seen on TV someone fictional like Frasier? Yeah, I will say uh, the therapist on couples therapy, I think, is the best on TV therapist uh, Mm. because she's a real therapist. Qualified. (laughs) Qualified. She she lets you see her process. She talks to other therapists about like her ethics and the boundaries of things. She's not like, you know, Dr. Drew or anything where it's just about the ratings and the drama. So I think if you want to see sort of the real look of what a therapist has to deal with and how they sort of have to compartmentalize what they deal with in their patients from their own lives. Uh, That's the best depiction Mm. we've ever gotten. Uh, Fictional, it's it's interesting because there was this sort of wave in TV where, like, every therapist was black, like a black woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, It became a very famous trope, you know. uh, Broad City did it, uh, Crazy Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. There was just this, uh, even Normal People is a recent one that Mm -hmm. did it, just this, like, it, it was sort of a weird updated version of of the mammy stereotype of women, Black women being there to nurture you and help you and bring you back to sort of health. And I actually, normal people on Hulu, when I saw that they had this, like, Black therapist in Ireland for this, like, Irish boy dealing with, I was like, okay. But (laughs) there are Black people in Ireland. Sorry, they exist. Uh, But it actually was a really, really good depiction of it. It wasn't sort of her being all-knowing. So, you know, I think people now are kind of afraid (laughs) to to have a Black woman play a therapist, but it's like, you can do it and have it work in a good way. Uh, So normal people did a great job of that. And then also, um, I May Destroy You. I think I May Destroy You is the best fictional take on modern therapy and self-help and rebuilding yourself. Uh, The therapy scenes, and yes, her therapist is a black woman, but it's different when we black. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, the therapy scenes, the group therapy scenes, uh, watching her, you know, try to read self-help books and looking at, you know, just self-help Twitter and all these videos, I think that is the most realistic depiction of how confusing it is to try to find just a foundation and anything that feels solid and real and helpful. Yeah. Can I just bring up one more black yeah. female therapist on Ted Lasso? Oh, right. Ted Lasso. Just thought of That's that. the big yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about her? I, when they first introduced her, I really liked how they had her play a foil to Ted, that she was really someone who could break him down. And I, and she was hard. And it was like, it wasn't going to be like, I'm your new best friend. But then, of course, into the Ted Lasso world, everyone has to end up being friends. So, you know, at the end, I was like, okay, she loses that that sort of edge and that boundary she has with him. And, you know, now it's like everybody, it's all sweet and lovely. Uh, but I did like how they just have her treat therapy as something that I, I like her scenes with like the soccer team more. Like that's where I really love how mm. they use her and how she shines and how she's able to like get everyone to realize like, oh, I have the yips. Oh, I'm dealing with this. Uh, but her, I, the only problem I had was just like where it goes with Ted and when, you know, she gets hit on her bike and stuff and they, mm. yeah. So sorry, spoilers. <laughs> but other than that, okay. I thought she was a wonderful character. And I actually got to go to the Ted Lasso premiere for that season. <gasps> oh, and fun. I met Jason Sudeikis' mom, and she thought I was that actor. So no, oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, come on, Jason Sudeikis' mom. Come on. 
You don't look anything like, okay, if you, listeners, you may not know what Ashley Ray looks like, but I just want to make clear right now, they look nothing alike. They don't alike. look alike. Yeah, like I would say she easily has probably 15 years on me, grayish hair, dark skinned. I'm like, yeah. And it was totally just so. Totally different facial structure, yeah. everything different. But she was just so sweet. And I also wasn't completely sure, you know, because they sometimes like she had seen it before it was finalized. So a lot of times they mm. are seeing clips and stuff that aren't done and that, you know, th- that like aren't always like have different people and are cut different. So I cut her slack, you know, but the fun- I just couldn't correct her because she was so, so nice and so sweet. Oh. So for like 30 minutes, I just went with it and was like, thank you. Oh oh. Yeah. I just couldn't correct. Oh, <laughs> She's a very no. sweet, wonderful person. I'm, <laughs> No, she did not mean to make that mistake, but I just always thought that was funny wow. that I was, every time I see that actress now, I'm like, I could be, I could basically be her. Like, I could play I'm her you. if they need me to be in Ted Lasso. If she needs a backup, I'm here. Yeah. Milk wow. that. Use that to That's your advantage. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. We have to take one more quick break, but when we're back, we have one last quick question for you, Ashley. Stay with us, everyone. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, we are back with the wonderful pop culture critic, Ashley Ray. And Ashley, we have just one last question for you. Jolenta, take it away. All right. Ashley, according to your bio, back in 2020, you co-edited Maria Bamford's audiobook, You Are a Comedy Special, a simple 15-step self-help <laughs> guide to forcibly force yourself to write and perform a full hour of stand-up comedy. And you've said it's basically a self-help guide about writing your first comedy special. We have so many listeners who are writers and creative people. Do you have any tips you can share with them about creativity or breaking through any creative roadblocks? Yeah, I'm so, so glad you brought this up because Maria Bamford is the self-help book shaman like Mm. queen of the mountain she loves a self-help book like (laughs) if you if you go enjoy her work you will learn about so many so many different health self-help books and working with her on that project uh, I read a ton of her favorites to kind of understand you know like what vibe she wanted to go for uh and it it was so so much fun and so the audiobook is structured a lot like a self-help tape you know uh 
finding mantras to repeat and to remind yourself, like, I'm funny. I got this. Uh, (laughs) And that is a big part of it. I think always reminding yourself that you're your biggest fan, that you have to, you know, no one else is going to to advocate for you if you don't advocate for yourself. Uh, That's a big part of, of the steps we talk about. And then I think the biggest one is that self-help as a as a genre, as even in, I don't want to say even in its dark forms, like after we talk about cults, but even maybe <laughs> in its more shallow forms of, mm. you know, your mom giving you an Ayanla Van Sant book, they can cause inspiration in the most random of ways when you're a writer. Uh, I... I still have that Ayanla Van Zant book. And actually, it was like 2021. I was just having horrible writer's block. Didn't know what I wanted to do. I like was in a weird relationship place, career place. And I just started rereading the things I wrote in this book as like a 14-year-old or whatever. <laughs> and it just inspired me and re-kind of ignited a fuse to, to be like, oh, right, this. I Or this perspective. Or I used to see the world this way. Or right, I was thinking about this, or this was a thing I wanted to do. And it just inspired me And I, for like some characters I was writing in a pilot. So I think a lot of times we're embarrassed to be like, I want to check out that self-help coloring book or, you know, the daily gratitude journal, but it seems corny or, you know, that's silly. I can just do it in my phone, you know, do it. Buy the cute notebook that's actually going to make you want to write in it. You know, do the, do the prompts. There's so many different ways to make it easy. If, you know, there's uh, different groups that'll like send you daily writing prompts and maybe sometimes they're sillier. You're like, I don't know. I used to be one of those pretentious artsy kids who was like, I have to write by by, by myself in the darkness of night to get my best work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But no, you can just like, you know, read a live, laugh, love book and it'll make you come up with an idea. Like just find inspiration in the most unlikely things. Nice. I love that. That is beautiful, especially for folks who may be putting pressure on themselves that they have to do literature with a capital L or yeah. they have to do it in the kind of way that'll win a push cart prize as opposed to just get out there and start it. Yeah. Just do it. And that's and whatever inspires it. Yeah. And, and if it is a Hallmark card, if it is that live, laugh, love pillow, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't it matter. Yeah. Just get it out there. <laughs> like at the end of the day, it's, you know, your individual vision of what you're bringing to that, what it sparks in you, that's what's more interesting. And, you know, people can't engage with it and be excited by it if you're not sharing it. So get out, in the, get out into the world. And I'll, I'll t- I've gotten inspiration from the weirdest places, the weirdest, <laughs> like, group therapy sessions. Like, when I first moved to L.A., I, I did a, like, basically AA for people who, like, don't want to pay credit cards back and are really bad at, like, money. And I was like, I want to get financial help. I want to grow up and like get better with it. And I went, it did not really help me at all. I was just like, this is very boring. But I, you know, it just made me think in interesting ways about like things that I do with receipts and how I view money and resources. And again, it was just something that, that made me want to write different jokes. And I just gave me a different perspective in the world when, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, I need to stop buying Uber eats every single day and save money. And then I'm talking to someone who's like, yeah, I went on a bender and I spent $50,000 on like latex pants. Cause I was convinced latex pants were what I needed in my life, <laughs> you know, and just getting that perspective can be really helpful and meeting new people in the world. And, you know, I think I always think that's the best inspiration is connecting with other people. So do the, do the self-help that, that makes you have faith in others. <laughs> Hmm. Well, you've given us so much faith today, and it was so great connecting with you and laughing with you. 
Ashley, tell us where they can get more of you. Yes, you can find me online at the Ashley Ray on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or my website, theashleyray.com. Uh, and from there, you can find my podcast, TV I Say, where I talk about all things television. Uh, I do believe I actually, in the first season, did a Black Therapy episode uh, where I talked Ooh. about, oh, where, yeah, nice. where I got into that whole trope uh, in Broad City and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and some of the greats that do it. Uh, so go check that out. Um, and I'm always talking about 90 Day Fiance over there. So. Oh, <laughs> download it. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you. much, Ashley Ray. This has been such a joy talking with you. Thank you. This was so fun. And that's it for this episode of By the Book. Huge thank you to our amazing production team at Stitcher, Nora Ritchie, Marcus Hom, Brendan Burns, and Amelia Chapolo. Thanks also to Nate Wyda, who composed our theme song, and thank you to the Rizzos, who performed our theme song. Please stay in touch. Our email address is kristinangelenta at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at ByTheBookPod. Oh, and while you're listening, quick, look down at your phone and give us a little five-star rating. Maybe write a little review about why you're enjoying the show, because that helps other people find the show. Also, telling a friend about the show will help them find it. So maybe try that. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.